aboard the struggle bus. You've got problems just like us. Climb aboard the struggle bus. Let Kate and Sally help you. Welcome to the struggle bus. I'm Kate. I'm Sally. And we're here to fix your lives. That said, we're two people whose only qualifications to give you advice are that we have lots of feelings and lots of opinions. Neither of which are a substitute for professional guidance. Okay, this is just going to bother me, but I have to tell people up at the top, there's a fan on and it's a little louder than usual. And I apologize, but it's really hot. It's really hot. We don't know why it's louder than usual today. It's really showing itself. Yeah. The acoustics in my apartment have somehow changed. I don't know why. Yeah. Well, maybe it's all these rubber walls I've installed. I can try to pull it out and post, but, um, you know. We'll see what we can do. Hey, listen, do you have an opinion that's not mean or mean? We don't care. We'll take <laughs> constructive criticism. Uh, tweet us at StrugglebusPod. Email us at StrugglebusPodcast at gmail.com. Go onto Instagram.com slash the StrugglebusPod to see some photos. Use the hashtag StrugglePodBuds420 to find a struggle buddy. Uh, tweet at, ta- tweet at <laughs> Sally T. Tweet at me at SPK Heller. Go onto StrugglebusPodcast.com where you can find out how to become a bonus member and when you're a bonus member for as little as $5 a month, you can get bonus episodes. We're doing one today. We're going to mm-hmm. release it this week. And there's already eight others up there and a ticket to ride struggle bus pass. Sally, talk about the Facebook group. The Facebook group is a wonderful place where members uh, talk to each other and vent and process and ask for advice or just like share fun, uplifting things. It's a really cool spot for um, self-care type stuff. And it's, it's, I think, also a place to go to if like almost everything is stressing you out because people use content warnings like really, really, really well. Yes, they do. So yeah, if there's ever stuff that you don't really want to interact with, it's it's rare that you're going to accidentally interact with it unless you're not in the mood to see pictures of cute animals. There it is. In which case, don't come to the group. And to be clear, since I'm not the queen of the segues, although I wish I was, mm-hmm. um, the membership for the Struggle Bus bonus is separate from the Facebook group. Good Facebook call. group is free, but it's also secret. So to become a member of that, email us at strugglebuspodcast at gmail.com and uh, put in the subject line that you'd like to be a member. Mm-hmm. And if you have a question, you want to email us with a question, email us in a separate email and in the subject say it's a question you can send us two and i am going to be queen of the segues right now because i'm gonna talk a little bit about writing in to ask us a question you want us to talk about on the show first of all always write to us we love getting your emails and the only time that we get something that we don't read on the air is when someone writes in and they're like i changed my mind don't read this everything else makes it on air um so sometimes um people write in and they ask us to edit their letters if we see fit because they're worried that they're going on for too long. And just so you know, you're not going on for too long. Um, I think like occasionally we've edited for length if something is like uncommonly long because we want to make sure we have enough time in the show to like really talk about it. We don't want to like spend a lot of like more time like reading your letter than like discussing it. Um, So like occasionally we'll do that. But the the reason I'm bringing this up is because um, it's not it's I'm 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 worried you guys about editing your emails because I'm worried that I'm going to edit out stuff that actually you think is really relevant and you wish that we would talk about. So um, I would say, you know, it, you know, err on the side of um, of like telling us everything you think is relevant and everything that you want us to discuss. Um, and, you know, if you want to 
if you want to tell us like which parts of your letter are background and which parts are your questions, that's fine. And I'm, I'm not trying to make it overcomplicated um, because you can just really write us an email and we'll answer it and we'll <laughs> read it on air. But I'm just saying, um, don't, I guess, I guess what I'm saying is don't rely on us to like edit your email to get the most important stuff because we don't know what you think is the most important yeah. stuff. That's, yeah, that's all. That's very clear. Yeah. Cool. Tell us everything or don't. Um, awesome. So opening jibber jabber. Let's do it. I really want to hear yours. Okay. I'm so sorry. I can't. Go first? Yeah. Do you mind? Can I blow my nose first? Um, absolutely. And I'm going to keep all this in. Hey, everyone. I tried to cover the mic. I don't think it works like that. It's fine. Okay. It's fine. I'm um, sorry, everyone. Okay. So, yes, I did hear about this because I was on social media. So yeah. I did not ask you about it because I figured you were busy. Yeah. Oh, we should probably do a content note. Yes, we should, Catherine. We are going to spend a lot of time talking about bed bugs. Uh, we talk about it in the jibber jabber and also in the a thing we did for self care section. So um, fast forward quite a bit. I'll provide the timestamps later. You're amazing. You know, Thanks, the time, Catherine. I invented the timestamps. You did. All right, so let's get to it. Let's do it. What so happened? Normally, I wouldn't like talk about my company's private business on a podcast, but since it's not private, I will. There is a bed bug infestation um, at BuzzFeed, and uh, infestation. Can, infestations can be mild or extreme, so please don't think that infestation means we were like overrun with bed bugs and they're sitting there like tapping at their tiny computers and like writing articles. Oh, that's um, cute. <laughs> isn't that adorable? That's adorable. Um, because they're not, and it's totally solved, and they exterminated, and everyone was clear to go back to the office, and everything was totally fine. But, um, you know, there is a chance that you can bring them back because you know they get in your backpacks and your bags, and you bring them home, and next thing you know, um, you're living in fear. And so there was like a day where, like, the company did a really good job of being like, okay, look, here's the deal, here's what we're doing, ask us questions, like, you know, it's sort of basically making sure we had all the information. But you know, there's always a period of time where you're like not sure if you have them. And in order to um in order to find out, let me also say, if you don't live in New York, you might not realize that bed bugs are New Yorkers like worst nightmares. They're a real thing. They're a real thing. Um and they've been around forever. Yeah. I have a lot of a lot of thoughts about bed bugs. And they they get inside your stuff, like your fabric stuff, especially like bed, bed linens, bed sheets, uh, potentially clothes, rugs, like inside like frames of furniture. And the only way to get them out is to basically um, like wrap up everything in your apartment and like they come in and they like do a major um, like, you know, fumigation extermination. They're very hard to get rid They're of. They're very hard to get rid of. And they bite the shit out of you while you sleep. They give you these bites. I mean, basically, I would say that, like, people in New York live in fear of them. Always. Right? Okay. So, um, and also, like, yeah, so so we just found out we had them at work, and everyone was immediately, like, feeling really itchy, <laughs> including me and Andrea. And the thing about bed bugs too, is that, like, you can see them. It's not like they're invisible to the naked eye, but they hide really well. So to, to really see if you have them, you have to do like a really intensive, like specific sweep of like everything with like a flashlight and a credit card to like go on all the little ridges. So <laughs> we like, we took apart our entire bedroom. We, I got like upside down, like the way the dude at the car place is like under the car fixing something that was like me under the bed with my flashlight. We, you have to you have to either dry stuff on high heat for 30 minutes or freeze it. So I actually have a bag of books and stuff that was in my backpack in my freezer right now. Um, 
And we didn't find anything. I should have probably started with that. We're fine. Like my apartment is fine. Thank God. And like, God bless everyone who is dealing with this or has dealt with this. But um, we were just like living in abject fear. It is absolutely uh, very difficult to get rid of them. It is. They're so hard to find. They're so hard to um, identify. You don't know like, what's that thing in my bed? Is it a bed bug poop or is it just a piece of dust? Right, you know what right, I mean? Totally. Yeah. yeah. So I just like... We we had like two days of complete and utter anxiety. Um, and I'm not I'm gonna talk more about it when we get to a thing we did, but I'll close by saying um we knew we were in the clear as of yesterday, like late morning. And then th- this afternoon or this morning we came from the gym and Andrea found this bug in the bathtub <gasps> and we freaked the fuck out. And we it ended up being a um it's called a spider beetle, and it's like a bug that's commonly mistaken for a bed bug, which, oh, but I've, only, I've seen those. only to like, 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 like pest control people, like they're to those people, they're obviously not bed bugs, but to like the lay person, they kind of look like bed bugs. So I first freaked the fuck out. Then I Googled 24 hour pest control Brooklyn and I found this guy, Frank Fierro, one hour pest control, who's amazing. I called him. He texted me an email address. I emailed him a photo of the bug and he called me like two minutes later. Stop it. Yeah. He was amazing. Did you pay him? Like, was that a No, no, no. He just did it for free. And I asked him, I told him all about the situation at BuzzFeed. And I was like, do you think you should come here just in case and like do a sweep? And he was like, no. And then he provided to provide, he proceeded to provide like 20 minutes of like talk therapy to me about bed bugs because he was like, he was like, bed bugs are really psychologically damaging because people like live in fear of them. And, but he told me, he told me to just relax and go on with my life. Like those are his exact words. So that's no trying to do. So I know a lot about bed bugs because I had a friend, I had several friends that lived in a building with them and they all dealt with it differently and it was really, I learned a lot. So here's my my big hot take very quickly about mm-hmm. bed bugs. They can survive up to 400 days without eating. They're very hard to get rid of. They're part of your natural life. Um, it doesn't mean you're dirty and it doesn't mean that you're like a, a poor, you know, housing or whatever. In fact, bed bugs are found in more affluent households because a lot of it deals with travel. Yeah, they get in luggage. Exactly. And we have like Hotels. a lot of people that travel at work, you know, like we have people that travel at work all the time. And New York is a city of like, I mean, we commute. We yeah. all carry bags around and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't mean you're dirty and no, it doesn't yeah. mean that you're, you know, anything at all. No, no one deserves them. Mm-hmm. They just happen. That yeah. said, you have to understand they're part of life. You just get rid of them, move on. But you're right. It's a psychological fear. It totally is. It's yeah. it's actual. It was terrorizing us. And one last thing. You will love this. Yes. They. I didn't meet this dog. I was about to say Roscoe, the bed bug <laughs> oh, sniffing you know dog. About it. I know. All, a I was beagle. Gonna, I know. I was about to say that. That was one of my points. Oh, sorry. No, oh no, God, no. I'm, so I'm more excited that you already know this. I but didn't for realize listeners, Roscoe was on the internet too. Roscoe is New York's official bed bug uh, sniffing dog, according to one company that is a pesticide expert. But they do use beagles because beagles can smell them. Yeah. Um, beagles can smell anything. Dogs can smell cancer. One, that's true. Mm-hmm. One really bright spot in this whole thing was like in our frantic Googling of bed bug information, Andrea came across like just a gallery of photos of dogs searching for and detecting bed bugs. And there's this picture of this dog and he's like looking at the camera and his little paws on the bed. No, <laughs> is amazing. that the sign? It's amazing, yeah. Because dogs, when they're trained to do something like that, they either sit or bark yeah. or like when they're sniffing for like food at the airport. Um, it put its paw on put the its, bed. Put its little paw on the bed. I want to train a dog just to do cute. that no matter what. I know, right? Yeah, it, was real, it was real cute. No, I'm not mad at you for bringing that up. I was more like just really enthusiastic that you know about the beagles. Yeah. Well, yes. I didn't realize because one of them came to BuzzFeed, but I didn't realize that um, 
I didn't realize that Roscoe was like the official bed bug dog. Bed well, bug dog. It's one in the commercials. Okay. But oh, okay, okay, that's got the it. Only He's like the Doctor Zismore of bed bug yes. dogs. Okay. <laughs> He's probably dead by now. I mean, this is like twelve years ago. Oh, okay. I, I can't confirm or deny anything, but I do know that. Uh, yeah, Roscoe was the oh, bed Roscoe. bug sniffing dog in the rest in power, Roscoe. Yeah, rest, well, well, we'll see. Maybe um, he he's alive. alive. Um, so, talk to me about your jibber jabber. So, yeah, thank you for clarifying. I was curious, and I read a little bit about it, and I was like, "Hope Sally's okay." I definitely would have not told you to come over and record if I there was know. any question. I was not worried because I would have burned down my entire. Apartment there was building. a small part of me that was questioning, <laughs> and I was like, "Should I?" Nah, I yeah. trust you, and the yeah. truth is, I could have brought a bed bug just now that's, from the F train. That's true. I really could have. Maybe I did. Get out of here. <laughs> you say half joke. <laughs> Get out of here. We're going to record the rest via Skype. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I saw a movie. It's actually not out in theaters yet. I got to see a screening. I was Ooh. very, uh, yes. It's called The Big Sick, and it's written and starring by, what? It's written by Kumal Nanjani and Emily V. Gordon. Oh, sorry. Kumail Nanjiani is a comedian. You've seen him on um, Silicon Valley. Very, very funny dude. Um, And he's in it and another woman is playing his now wife. So spoiler. um, And people know this going into it. It's it's actually a true story about how they met. And basically he's from Pakistan Mm -hmm. and she is American and... Uh, he they start dating, but he really can't, you know, see women seriously because he has an arranged marriage and she didn't know that. They, of course, get in a fight about it. Uh, they break up and then she ends up in a, a coma and uh, she had a very rare disease. And during the time that she was in a coma, he met her parents and just did a lot of soul searching. And um, it's really, really Is interesting. It good? It's so oh, I'm really funny. Excited. So it's a really well done movie. It's it's beautiful. It's hilarious. It has one of the best 9-11 jokes in the world. Oh, really? That's all I can say. <laughs> the theater was uproariously laughing for a full minute. We lost a minute of the movie because wow. we could not stop laughing at this joke. That's amazing. It was it just stopped everything. Um, but do see it if it comes out near you because um, yeah, they're doing like a slow release of it. Yeah. And it was really wonderful. I really want to see it. I they're opening it at BAM, but we're already gonna be out of town. But um I've heard them both interviewed a a lot like years ago because they've they've been on like the comedy podcast circuit for a long time mm-hmm. and I remembered hearing I think actually Emily telling the story on a podcast and she was like s- explaining that they had not been dating very long like at all Mm -hmm. like they were like barely even a couple when she got really sick which is just so intense when you think about it because like how do you care for someone that you like just started dating yeah and I'm watching it I'm a hypochondriac and I'm like oh my god I have the same thing what if I die you know (laughs) she doesn't die don't worry about it but um, also there was a talk back with the cast and Holly Hunter was there and she's brilliant oh I didn't know she was in it Uh, she is Holly Hunter and Ray Romano who was fantastic Super nice, wow. too. Super nice. Really? Yeah, it was a really great cast. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Where'd you see it? Um, it was at the theater on uh, 67th. Okay. The Lowe's or whatever. Cool. Or the big one, yeah. That's fucking awesome. It was a screening. No I want to see that. It was really fun. I'm so jelly. I'm going to see it again. Um, cool. I'm yeah. Gonna, I'm going to def. I'm gonna def see it. So a thing we did for self-care, Sally, do you want to go first or yeah, shall I? I'll, I'll go in cool. there. Um, I So we when we first found out about the bed bugs... Um, we I did like a few things that like instinctively I, I felt like we should do, which is just like anything that I had worn to work or that Andrea had been around me while I was w- w- uh, working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, you, you guys know what that I mean. Makes I don't know how to rephrase that. I'm nodding. Um, good. Um, I washed and dried on extremely high heat for like a thousand hours and I washed everything twice, even though it's really the, the heat, not the water. But anyway, the point is um, I did that and like, 
there's a lot more stuff you're supposed to do if you're concerned you might have bed bugs, like if you think you might have been exposed. And and we did that on Thursday. And then we realized that like that really wasn't good enough. Like it it really doesn't provide peace of mind to do like kind of some of it because as we learned from like the people who post in like bed bug message boards. Don't ever go on those. <laughs> no, but they have like amazing information sharing about like how to really actually look for them and what you need to do if like you think you find anything and precautions and stuff like that. So on Saturday, we did like a serious bed bug investigation with like just t- that's when we took everything apart and we were like we had the flashlight and we were just like fucking in there I took apart like 95,000 pairs of sneakers that I have and like looked in all the seams like we we were really thorough so that we could actually know like we weren't just like yeah we we were probably fine we we like looked and we we're like okay if we don't find anything we're good and the peace of mind it's like the bed bug terror just like mm fell away until we found that bug earlier too but that's another thing but um but yeah it just it was just like such a supreme act of like self care to like just be like let's just like do the thing we have to do to be sure yeah i really want to tell you a bed bug fact that actually made me calmer okay but it shouldn't have made me calmer it made me realize they're gonna rule the earth and i have no choice do you want to hear it yeah okay they're very smart they're very evolved they have learned a lot of things and people put tape sometimes on their floors so that if they try to walk up to the bed they get stuck on the tape that's huh. one thing you can do yeah. but uh in an article they pointed out that no matter what they will find you though and even if there are some on the tape don't discount that there's not going to be one because they do this they sense out heat yeah that's how that they get go, you in the night that because your up. body gets hotter at night Sorry. exactly yes yes yeah. that will go up the walls and sense your heat on your ceiling and drop down on top of you. They will always find a way to get you. That's horrifying. So that's when I released all of my power and said, if it happens, yeah. it happens. Yeah. And then you just move on. You can only do so much. I mean, you can't really live your life looking for bed bugs constantly. Exactly. I think it's only when you have like a fear. Like the only reason we did all this was like the fear that we had been exposed um, at work. But I, you know, otherwise, I mean, I guess, you know, if I didn't have to work full time, I probably would spend eight hours a day looking for bed bugs. <laughs> but I know it's no way to live. Um, that is a wonderful segue into myself. Yeah, yeah, please. Which is I took my own advice, which is pretty much what you just said, which I take your advice too. of you just can't predict what's going to happen. I had a very overwhelming week, uh, not just from work stuff, all good things. I was in the Pride show for the Neo Futurist. It was so much fun. It was like a fun thing. Yeah, it wasn't even that much work. But I have a rough couple weeks ahead, and then I'm traveling, and then the fall happens, and I'm nervous about healthcare and everything that's going on in the news. And I found myself feeling really stunted and just anxious and scared and like, I just can't move forward. I can't do my my stuff today. And I realized, um, you know, Take it day by day. Take it minute by minute. It's advice that we give all the time. Mm. But I I was thinking so far ahead. And it's like, I have no idea. I could get bed bugs tomorrow, mm. you know. And so I just lived in the moment. And I know it's, it is hard for me to do that. And I did it. And I was like, okay, just enjoy everything and relax. And I got out of the spiral. I was feeling really anxious. Awesome. Um, but yeah, great. I did that. Took my own advice because you never know. Well done. Mm-hmm. Um. As you were talking, I ju- it just occurred to me that do you think we need to do like a content note at the beginning of the episode for Absolutely. bed bugs? Absolutely. Yes, because I know people who have yeah. been traumatized. So we can like, should we record that after or something? Yes. And like throw it in? Okay. Yes. Cool. Sorry to break the fourth wall. Hey, you know what? We're going to do it. Why not? Let's do it. Um, okay. 
Do you want to read first? Sure, I will. Let me uh, have a sip of water real quick. Do you mind vamping? Go for it. I will vamp by telling you that this is from Cassian, who has written in before, and they chose the name Cassian because it's a character in um, Rogue One, I think, Star Wars Rogue One. I think I, I, I don't remember. Seems right. I trust them. Hi, Kate and Sally. I hope you're both having a lovely day and finding ways to ground and practice self-care. If not, thank you. I'm having a bit of struggle that I was hoping to hear your advice on. Basically, I'm really overwhelmed all the time. This has just started in the last month and so or so, and it's impacting on my physical health quite a lot. I haven't been sleeping well, plus I'm going through a few tests at the doctors right now as some of my health issues have been linked to existing conditions in the past, but I have a feeling that it will turn out to be just stress. Some background. I work full-time. I'm trying to focus on my own projects in my spare time as well as socializing regularly. I love my job, but most days I feel really wired. Is it wired or weird, they wanted to say? Okay. I, uh, wired, yes. I think I, wired, yeah. I think you're right. I feel like there's a million things I need to do right now and don't know how to fit it all in. In addition, I never feel like I'm good enough. I'm definitely judging myself more harshly than normal these days. I want to feel successful and happy, and I think something that's really tripping me up is that, well, I kind of am successful and happy. I still want to improve, and I want to spend time developing my existing and new skills as well as spend time on other creative outlets outside of my full-time work. I believe I'm always growing and I enjoy the process, but where am I right now? I've got a job that makes me happy and helps me to feel fulfilled. I've got a bunch of it's, uh, I've got a bunch of interesting and talented friends. I'm pursuing stuff in my free time that also makes me feel limitless. On paper, I feel like I've got what I need right now. I know logically that it takes time to grow and do more things, but I'm just really struggling to feel it. Nobody is placing this pressure on me as far as I can tell. It's all my own self-judgment. So I was wondering if he had any advice for me. How can I slow down and accept where I am without freaking out? How can I be okay with feelings like I'm not getting enough done? How can I turn off the voice that says I'm not good enough no matter how much I'm doing? Is that even possible? I know I need a strategy to cope with these feelings and thoughts, but I'm not sure where to start. I'm currently looking for a therapist, but I'm struggling to find someone who does CBT, which has worked best for me in the past, in a price range I can afford. So any tips would be great help for now. Thanks so much, Cassian. And CBT is the behavioral therapy. Is mm-hmm. that correct? Yeah, cognitive. cognitive yeah, mm-hmm. cognitive behavioral. Great. All right. Um, okay, Cassian. Well, let's see. Um, how can you slow down except where you are without freaking out? Um, I mean, I guess I could give you some tips about like doing something like keeping a running list of like all the things that you're accomplishing every day and all the things that you feel really that make you feel successful. I, I mean, I, I tend to think that actually, like in this case, I I feel like your best bet is like just good old fashioned psychodynamic talk therapy. Um, not Mm. that, I mean, I think CBT is like great and I think people can find a lot of success with it, but, um, but I, I also like you're, you're talking about stuff that feels so like deep seated to me, like about feeling like you're not getting enough done and the voice that says you're not good enough. I feel like I just I feel like that's the kind of stuff that you get at with the help of a talk therapist who's going to help you like really like get in there and figure out what it is like what your associations are to those feelings and where they might have come from. And I, I do think that CBT like no shade to CBT. I think it can be like really helpful um, to give you like strategies um, in the moment. And it's like really good tips. But I feel like um 
I don't know. This probably isn't like a great thing to say. And, you know, feel free to push back whoever wants to. I feel like CBT sometimes feels to me like a, a kind of a Band-Aid situation as opposed to getting to the root of something to like really try to like understand it and like excavate some shit and like really um, like integrate new like learnings about yourself into your life. Um, granted, my bias is like definitely for psychodynamic talk therapy. So yeah. that's like, that's my bias coming through. But um, I, I think that like when you're struggling, I just, I feel like when you're at a place where like your sense of self and your self perception are being like undermined um, by your own like thought process, I, I, I just feel like talk therapy can be amazing. Yeah, I think CBT and talk therapy, for me, in my view of it, they, they're in tandem with each other. Like, it's one thing, it's one skill, it's one practice that's very helpful, and talk therapy is separate in mm -hmm. a weird way. I know CBT therapists also talked, obviously. Um, it's like if you go to theater school, you take a singing class and an acting class. Like, they just kind of work together, but talk therapy is really, really great to do as well if you see that sort of separately as well. If you can only see a talk therapist, for example, it doesn't mean that you're not still working on things. Uh, I think Sally's absolutely right that there, there, there's usually, spoiler, uh, something else going on when you feel, oh, I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know what it is, but it's always something. And if it is something that is happening um, frequently and you're feeling it, it might be because of another thing that you can't clarify in your head right now. Uh, I saw a really interesting study. I can't exactly tell you much about it, but one of the things it said was your brain sometimes forgets things because it's trying to protect you from the world. Um, that's that's something that I thought was very interesting is that if you're not dealing with something, it doesn't mean that you're weak or you're not remembering things. It means that you just haven't you know tapped into it yet and it might be good to look into it. Mm -hmm. So I found for me... Figuring that out has helped me understand why it is that I'm just feeling blah about stuff. Mm -hmm. You could also be depressed. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I don't know much from your letter what what it's sort of coming out in your body as or how you're feeling. But I sort of read this as you're feeling overwhelmed. You could, you know, be a little anxious and or depressed or um, it could be a lot of things. It could be chemical. It could be not. I think that talking to somebody would be very, very, very helpful. But in the interim, um, since you were asking like, any tips... I think the thing I just said, which is stopping and just breathing and being like, where am I right now? And just know that you don't know what's going to happen in the future and in, you don't know how you're going to feel as well. I, too, struggle sometimes with feeling like I'm not successful, but on paper I look great. And I, I think a lot of people feel that way. I rarely see people who are like absolutely happy all the time being like, man, I'm just crushing it at life. Even those people have their days. So do not be hard on yourself. Be very gentle with yourself and know that there might be something else happening that maybe you want to dive into. Yeah. So, yeah. I think like, um, I think also like you could come up with some things that, I might just like not have a good understanding of what CBT is, but I think that like you could come up with some like practices that help you like reframe. Cause I, I feel like if I understand correctly, which I don't what CBT is, is that like you do things that like help you like reframe the way you're thinking about something mm -hmm. maybe. Yeah. Um, and so maybe you can come up with some ways. I mean, the thing is, is that like you have a lot of insight already. Like you're, you, you already like suspect that your health problems are probably stress related and you already feel that there's like an incongruity between like what your 
life looks like on paper and how you experience your life. And, you know, I, um, like, I, be, like, I don't think there's, there's anything I could really suggest that you do that you probably haven't thought of. I think the stuff that I would suggest would be like the usual stuff of like, um, keeping track of like when you have these like feelings of like, um, inadequacy, like when are those coming up, like start journaling them. And maybe you notice that they come up after, like, you know, in response to, or like after a certain, after you talk to a certain person or after you experience a certain thing or after you do a different, a certain task, or maybe it's like always at a certain time of day or, you know, starting to notice like some patterns in your thinking might be helpful. Um, and you know, I think like faking it till you make it is like a pretty great strategy, yeah. which I try to, I try to use as much as I can, which is just being like, you know, I don't believe in my heart that I'm crushing it, but I think that if I act like it for long enough, I'll start to believe it's who I really am. Um, so you could try stuff like that. But, um, I, I have like, I'm trying, I'm like trying to think of things to tell you other than go to therapy because I know that like, you're not asking for us to say that, but unfortunately that's like kind of pretty much all I'm coming up with. Yeah. And, and to your point about CBT, cause I am a little bit more familiar with it than you. And I do actually still use practices every single day with my OCD. When I feel things coming up, I, I do the, you know, things that I'd learned. Um, but I also haven't seen a professional in that department in a while. But I do want to say that it does help. It does help. Absolutely. I found that it can help a lot of people. So like I said, CBT is great. I would definitely use it along with a talk therapist or whatnot. I just say that because I didn't want people to get the wrong idea of what yeah. it was. And, and I know we're not very versed in it. I don't feel like I can speak as an ex expert. But the limited experience I had with that, I found it to be very helpful. But I also go to talk therapy. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, I um, like I don't I don't I don't think it's like bad or wrong or ineffective. I just think it's like doing a different thing than talk therapy. Yeah, it yeah. is. It's different. It's totally different. Cool. Um, I hope that helps. <laughs> Let yeah. us know. Yeah. Keep us posted, Cassian. Yeah. OK. Uh, number so, two. Email two. OK, so this is from Griff. Um, Griff is a character from a favorite book of mine. And they them pronouns, please. Dear Kate and Sally, I've been listening to your podcast for a while now, and it's helped me refocus many times when I felt overwhelmed by everything go going on in my life. I've never written in before, but you said in your recent podcast that you're running low mm -hmm. on questions to answer, and this one has been a struggle for me for a while with no clear answer or path. So here's the thorn in my paw. I'm 30 years old have a bachelor's degree in a field I don't care about, and am an artist. I've built a business around my art over the, over the last almost 10 years. I started early in college and used the income to pay for community college classes before I transferred to a four-year university. During these 10 years, I've worked part-time as a reliable source of income and retirement contributions to supplement the somewhat unpredictable income from my art. It's not a lot of money. I've been living below the national poverty line since I moved out of my parents' house in college. Business has been gradually but steadily increasing, and I've been trying to branch out to increase income, social media, art shows, etc. But overall, it's still not very much. But the total gross income from my art has recently passed the gross income from my part-time job. The more I get my name out, the more money I make, which leads me to believe mm -hmm. if, any, if everyone on the planet knew about me, I wish mm -hmm. I would be able to make a stable, comfortable income. I'll never get rich off this, but I love my art and no other job has been as therapeutic and satisfying on a soul deep level. I don't want to be rich. I just want to be comfortable. 30K a year would be great. 60K a year would be a dream and I wouldn't know what to do with myself. But I'm tired of being poor. 
I'm tired. I'm tired of working on my art in the morning, going to my part-time job in the evening, getting home late and needing to process commissions and orders from my website before bed. My partner is super supportive and I love them so much for it, but watching them advance in their career over the past few years has really thrown a stark contrast on where I am financially in my life and how hard it is on me. We manage. I do occasionally have a day off, and due to work scheduling, I may have an actual two days off every week this summer. So we have time every week to spend together and maintain the relationship, and we are in couples therapy to work on the things we struggle with. But between work, art, which I also consider work, although fun work, chores, and trying to find time to socialize, I just don't have much time left in the day. I'm always busy, always stressed, always tired, always feeling like I'm not getting ahead. I'm just treading water and trying not to drown. I have debt from college, a car payment, a maxed out $1,000 credit card that I want to pay off and keep for emergencies only, and about $200 in my savings account. I'm always only one major car repair or vet bill away from financial ruin. I've borrowed from my parents in the past and someday want to pay them back, but recently they have also been having a hard time, though they are still solidly middle class. So So I know that if something happens, I don't have much of a safety net. They wouldn't let me starve, but it would be hard on them to help much. So my question is, what am I supposed to do? How do I decide when I should call it quits and get a full-time job, sacrificing fulfillment for a a full bank account? How am I supposed to decide that that trade is worth it or not? I know your first suggestion (laughs) is always therapy, so rest assured that's taken care of. I've been talking this over with my therapist for a year now, and he offers empathy and lets me vent, but he hasn't been able to help me process the idea of selling my happiness for a steady fat paycheck or accepting that I may barely be scraping by for the rest of my life, but at least the work is fulfilling. Any thoughts you have would be much appreciated. Thank you so much for all the hours you put in answering folks' questions and putting together podcasts so frequently. Mm-hmm. Griff. Thank you, Griff. Thanks, Griff. Well, I'm, I'm going to spare you from my tirade about how there's no more middle class and the economy doesn't uh, help anyone and it's really, really hard. But it's hard. You're not alone. I want you to know that. Um, there's, there's a lot of this I see and I hear about and it is very common. So thank you for sharing about that. Uh, oh, look, an ambulance. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I I think I have mentioned this before, but uh, a lot of you know that I, I worked at a hedge fund for quite some time. And you might be going, what happened? Well, I was 30 years old. I just finished bartending by my own volition. I was like, I can't physically do this anymore. My body's changing. I'm tired. Um, and I, you know, had a lot of debt and student loans. And I started temping and just I didn't know what I was going to do because I continued to audition and stuff fell into this really great job with these amazing benefits. And I was very hesitant. They wanted to hire me. And I was like, no, no, I'm temping. I'm an artist. I'm just temping. And someone said to me, like, you can always quit. Like, take the money, see if you like it, and you can always quit. And it happened to be a good fit. Was I thrilled with my life? No. Was I able to pay off some debts and see a future eventually? Yes. And it kind of gave me this confidence to even go more balls to the wall with my theater stuff. And it was during that time I wrote two plays that got produced. I got an agent, like I got work and it was amazing. Now, that said, I still struggle financially. I still am always going back and forth. Nothing's easy or perfect. And that may not happen to you. But I will say it does not mean you're a failure. You're not an artist if you take a full-time job temporarily. Everything is temporary in life. You never know what's going to happen. If you need a little bit of something to help you feel secure and maybe pay off some debts, I'd say go for it. It doesn't mean you're not an artist. Mm -hmm. Um, Sally, thoughts? Yeah, I was just thinking about how, like, I think everyone has a really different relationship to, like, hustling and, like, instability and, like, financial uh, financial 
non-total stability. Um, like I know that for me, like the short period of time I did freelance, I, I, I really didn't like the hustle. I didn't like being worried about money. I didn't like worrying about going to the doctor mm. insurance, like insurance was either incredibly expensive or you didn't have it. And then you needed to go to the doctor. And so you'd go broke. Um, and like, I did that for a little while and I was like, okay, I know that like, this is not for me, like temperamentally, like this is like not a Sally Tamarkin life path. But I think there are other people who do a lot better with like uncertainty. That's what it is financial uncertainty and instability. Um, like who do better with uncertainty and are like, um, you know, I feel like I'm reasonably healthy and maybe something terrible happened, but it probably won't. And I like the hustle and it's like, I, I kind of like like the rush of like staying up late to do my thing and then getting up early in the morning, like, mm -hmm. which is like a thing that I think a lot of artists specifically like, um, do. And I think it's like rad when people do that. And I think that if you, if you feel like, yes, this is like the lifestyle for me, then like, why, why ever bother changing anything? But if you're like at a point where you're noticing that you're feeling like you don't really have time for stuff in your life and you're feeling exhausted and the financial instability is really getting to you, like, I think that's like a clue that like you might feel happier and even more fulfilled as a person if you were more financially comfortable, which I think then I think can maybe give you like Catherine was saying, like you then have like more bandwidth to like e do even more art or do lean into your art in a different way. Um, like, and you know, speaking of like my bias, my bias is for like comfort, security, routine, and mm -hmm. like feeling like I'm going to be okay. Like, so I, I know that like my advice is like, I'm, de I'm never the person who's going to be like, you know what you should do? Like keep doing what you're doing. And like, you're going to make it big and like, you'll be tired and exhausted. You might have much money, but like mm -mm. that, like live fast, man, or whatever. Like, that's just like not a thing for like, I just don't think I would ever advise that just because I can't wrap my head around living that way. Even though I think people who do are like rad and it's like not a judgment thing at all. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm also wondering if like the way you described in your email is like very much like either you do it like you, you do a part-time job and you're fulfilled because you also have time to do your art or you do a full-time job and like all fulfillment drains out of your life. And I'm just wondering if there's a way that like you can, if there is a full-time job out there that will be, maybe nothing will ever be as fulfilling to you as making art, but maybe there's something that you would enjoy enough that it would be worth it to you, um, to sacrifice some of your time that is going to art right now. Um, yeah, I hear that. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying. It's, it's, it is sort of a, you say, for example, that I don't want to be selling my happiness. I think what you meant is you're transferring your energies yeah. to get another thing that might help in a different way. Cause mm -hmm. right now it's not really working out for you physically, emotionally, otherwise. Mm -hmm. I, that's what I yeah. heard. Yeah. And, and like, I, I wouldn't advise like, getting a full-time job that you hate and makes you miserable yeah. just so you can get a paycheck. But maybe you can find a job that like is actually pretty decent. And I just, I, I, I understand that working full-time means that like you have fewer actual 
like physical hours in the day to make art. But I just feel like the hours that you would like gain in like emotional energy and in like emotional bandwidth from like the financial security would probably like help your art. Yeah. I mean, listen, I my job was very strange. I was a personal assistant, but also I did reception and, and other things. And I just it was a good fit for me. I did sort of date other companies when I was temping. It was my way of like seeing, could I do this? Mm-hmm. I hated this one company I worked for for a hot second. Would never work there. They offered me the job. No, mm-hmm. I said no. Um, so for me, temping was a way to like try out. And I finally found one that was cushy and I didn't have a lot of work to do. And I had a computer and mm-hmm. I had a schedule. So yeah, I did half my shit there that I, you know. Perfect. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But um, yeah, everything Sally said. And also, I, I can't stress this enough. It, everything's temporary. If you did this for one year and then felt better and like left, you know, it, it, it's amazing that mm-hmm. I worked at that hedge fund for five years. The time flew by, mm-hmm. you know. I, I'm glad I left, but I did not feel like I was selling out. Yeah. You can find a job that you don't hate. Yeah. That's a little secure for a while. Exactly. Yeah, that's a great point. Like, you can just, like, try it out and see. And maybe you'll get a full-time job and be like, I hate this. I feel dead inside. And now I have no inspiration to do my art. Or, And then you can go back to what you're doing now. Or you can be like, oh, yeah, this is great. Like, I love having more money or insurance or whatever it is. And now I have all this, like, inspiration because all this these parts of my brain are, like, free to muse yeah. I don't know and also I want to add that after I left and I thought I was a king shit at Turd Hill I ended up getting very sick uh, spending a lot all my savings on my health problems not being able to work starting my own business unemployment Medicaid that all happened after I left too did we meet like right after you had left that yeah oh, I didn't even know that no no yes wait I, I'll I have to remember okay. I had left okay. but I don't remember it was a few months after. A few I months think. after. Wow, I the didn't know that. The point is, is that there's. I'm not saying I'm a happy ending. I'm saying I still am now. You know, getting by. Yeah. I love what I do, but I I do miss the steady paycheck. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I I totally get that it's um, that it's a trade off. But I have to say, like, going from having been like financially not solvent for like so long, and finally getting to a place where it's like, I have health insurance and a steady paycheck and like I can do something like I can sort of go out for a nice dinner or like, you know, do something kind of frivolous, like not like, not like, not like I'm buying like a Bentley, but like (laughs) something frivolous, like, I don't know. I I just pictured you in the Bentley shop. Like I'll take that. I'll I'll take that one and that one. Like not like not frivolous, like buying a floor length fur coat, but frivolous in the sense of like picking up around at the bar, like being, having that cushion to do that. Like I, 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 I mean, I don't think I wouldn't be able to do struggle bus if I was still like had really expensive insurance that didn't, that didn't really cover anything anyway. And I wasn't making good money because I I was like stretched so thin, both emotionally and time wise that the struggle bus would have been, would have been like me reading letters that I wrote to myself. Like, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Like, I I just think it definitely, you know, when it's like, and like, obviously like Catherine and I think are both aware of like the immense like privilege that we have to like, absolutely the thing. Like we both get paid money to like do some of the artistic stuff that we love. Um, so obviously there's a lot of privilege in that, but, um, 
I don't know. That's like my disclaimer. No, no, for sure. And I think the disclaimer of like, you know, uh, I didn't want to be like, join a hedge fund and then leave in your park. Like (laughs) life is continuing and it's very surprising. And it goes back to the original point I said, where you just don't know. But what I do know, Griff, is that um, thank you for this letter because it obviously brought out a lot of info about us. Totally. And um, we got your back. Listen, it doesn't mean you're not an artist if you have to do a different job for a while or forever, but everything's temporary. Yeah, that's I totally agree. Everything's temporary. That's like the theme of the episode. Go for a cushy office job where you just do reception and you have like eight hours of nothing to do all day and you'll find that it's really great. <laughs> and also there's like free office coffee. Oh and and nowadays snacks. like a, a lot. Yeah, they'll give you some snacks. They'll throw a bagel at you on Fridays. I have free like lunch every day at the hedge fund. That's am- I feel like it's more and more <laughs> common now. Like now is a great time to work at an office. Yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. It was definitely a luxury, even right? though it wasn't like it was luxury, but it wasn't. I know. But. Well, in our capitalist dystopia, it's a luxury. Yeah. In other places, it's um just human decency. Yeah, but but temping, that's a great way to like try out companies because there was a few that I, that I was like, there's no way I would work yeah, here. Totally. Yeah. yeah. All man. right. Okay, Griff. Hope that was helpful. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So email three. Yes. They would like the name Donna from Doctor Who. Cool. Excellent. All right. Hey there, Kate and Sally. I've been catching up on the podcast, and I think y'all are just fantastic. I'm so grateful for the work, love, and genuine care that you put into this podcast. I wrote in one time before asking for advice on a guy leaving roses at my door. I remember that one, Sally. I do too. I updated you once, and no incidents have happened then since then. But I have a new request for advice. Just as a precursor, since I'm working on not assuming the norms in terms of how people identify, I am white cis, I am a white cis straight woman. I would like the name Donna from Doctor Who. I graduated with my bachelor's degree at the end of April. Yay! I'm a bit happy. It's <laughs> been a long journey for me. I started my degree in 2009, but dropped out as a result of my active addiction. I got clean in 2012 and went back to school in 2014, finishing my degree part-time while working full-time. When I went back to school, everyone that I had been in classes with were seniors or had graduated, but this didn't bother me as I'd several working, sorry, as I had several wonderful groups of friends and a very busy life that resulted in me really only being on campus specifically for my class times. I ended up making one friend. Let's call her Rose. We became increasingly close over several years of being in classes together. This last year in particular, she came, she became one of my closest friends, one of the people I tell everything to, even the stuff that makes me feel shame and that's hard to talk about. And she was sharing the same sorts of intimate details of her life with me. We decided to become accountability buddies while finishing our capstone projects and ended up spending every weekend doing schoolwork together. We often commented on how we f- each... we often commented on how we each felt the other person was the only reason we were staying sane through the stress. We took a trip together right after graduation for five days to celebrate and have some fun. Since I'm in recovery, I don't drink or do drugs, and she has always been very respectful and supportive of that. With the amount of work to be completed the last few months of school, Rose wasn't going out and partying or drinking, and she never drank around me. On to my current predicament. Rose moved about four hours away for the summer, working a seasonal job to save money as she looks for a job in our field. Since she moved away from here, we haven't really talked. I've tried calling her many times, usually without a response or call back. 
The only kind of social media I have is Snapchat, which we often use during school, but certainly not as a main means of communication. After weeks of after several weeks of unanswered calls, I would try once every three or four days. I got a snap from her saying, I'm sorry I haven't called you back. I've been a drunk little bitch since I got here. I told her it was okay. I just missed her. A week or so later, she answered when I called and we had a good conversation. We caught up and she apologized again for not answering my calls. She had been going out and partying a lot since she'd been there. A week or so after that, I got a text from her in the morning saying, Hey, will you call me when you get a minute? I need to talk. I called. She didn't answer. She called me back. But just as I was able to walk into work and couldn't talk. Oh, yeah. Just as I was able to walk into work and couldn't talk. Yeah. Asked if she was okay, and she said, yeah, I'm fine. I just need to talk to someone. Drunk Rose strikes again, and it's bad this time. I told her I would call her on my lunch break, but she didn't answer when I called. I've tried calling her multiple times since then, and she hasn't answered. I texted her saying I was worried, and she responded that she was fine, just working a lot. So what it comes down to is that my feelings are hurt. I miss my friend. She became such a big part of my life, and it feels like I'm grieving grieving to a degree. I know this probably isn't about me, but it's hard not to take personally. I have other friends, close friends, and have enjoyed reconnecting with other people since graduation. But nonetheless, I miss Rose. She was really apologetic to the one time we talked and said something to the effect of, ah, I'm a terrible friend. I'm sorry. I understand we all get busy with our lives and may not be able to be in contact with people as much as we like, but I'm struggling to find the words to talk about this with her. I don't want to make her feel like a bad friend, but also it feels like she's been a totally different person since she left here. I don't think she has a drinking problem necessarily, but she is living on a tourist island where uh, drinking is what people do for social activity, and I think she is blowing off steam in a way many 23-year-olds do. I'm involved in a 12-step program, and I can't identify with drinking socially, nor have I had to deal with the consequences of a drunken night in over four years. I do a lot of self-work and self-care, but Rose doesn't have those structures in place to push her towards awareness to the same degree that I do. Usually when someone behaves this way, I just let it go and accept that we're not going to be close. But this is way more painful than those instances. I'm used to picking up the phone and calling the people I want to have relationships with long distance, but I honestly don't know whether she's good at slash capable of that. I love this woman, but I don't know how to move forward. Okay, I'm sorry that was a lot of detail. Questions. Do y'all have any advice on moving forward with this relationship? How do I build the courage to simply say my feelings are hurt and accept whatever her response is? How do I accept the reality that we may never be as close as we were? Thank you. Y'all are the best. Uh, The name was um, Donna? Donna. Donna. P.S. I'm attaching a picture that my mom sent me yesterday of one of her dogs with the caption, what do you mean I have to come inside? And this is this is Donna's words. Not the cutest dog, but certainly hilarious. Donna, that dog is fantastic. Cute and hilarious. Yeah, Donna, that dog is pretty damn adorable. Don't you dare judge that dog. (laughs) But everything else, thank you for writing in. Yeah, thanks for writing in. Um, (laughs) Okay, so I think that if you haven't... Okay, first of all, I would say that um, without having all the detail and only having what you shared, it sort of sounds like Rose is like on the struggle bus slash potentially in crisis. Like um, maybe it's just like temporary post-college drinking a lot crisis, but like that amount of like drunkenness mixed with, or the frequency of the drunkenness mixed with I'm a terrible friend mixed with like the flakiness and responding. Um, that Like to me, like I 
it doesn't read to me like she doesn't want to be friends with you anymore. It reads to me like she's going through something and is having trouble balancing going through something with like staying in touch with her friends. Or maybe she's this is just like good old fashioned millennial binge drinking and she's just partying a lot and is like doing that thing, which I think we all experience, which is that like it's really hard when you when your life changes to like keep your like new life integrated with your old life. Um, I think if you haven't tried, I know you said that you need to build the courage to say my feelings are hurt and you're like wondering what to say. But I think that like a really simple like text that's like, you know, or a call, but it sounds like she won't really, she doesn't use the phone like that. Maybe a text that's saying like, I miss you and I care about you. And I'm just wondering if there's anything we can do to reconnect. And also, can I support you in any way? I know something like that, like really putting it out there that you you're like, ready to have like a state of the union about the friendship as opposed to um, continuing to play like phone tag or like text tag or whatever. Um, so I guess my, my first, my first like line of defense would be um, just like checking in with just like being like really straightforward, like checking in with her to try to see how she's doing. Yeah. What do you think? Abby? Well, you, you framed it perfectly when you said that I don't want to take this personally. So you know that, and yet it's hard not to take personally, but I'm, I'm with Sally on this. I'm positive this isn't about you. Uh, And you really don't know what's going on with her. And, you know, she could be doing great, but just really busy or not. It sounds to me like there's just stuff going on in her life that you don't know about. And I think that's the first thing to really latch on to is you just don't know. So how to move on. I think a text or an email, maybe not a snap. I don't know anything about Snapchat. Same. uh, Except that people have it and I love their videos and I don't get it. And then I'm like, how do I copy this? And they're like, old lady. Um, yeah, I was like, can you forward this to me? And they're like, what? Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that's my rant. Um, get off my lawn. No, but seriously, folks, I I think that something clear, basically what you just said to us, like, hey, I miss you. Um, I hope you're doing well. Um, do you have any time to chat? I think something like that, simple as that, lay it out. And she might not have time to chat, or she may. She may not want to talk to you about what she's going through. You know, she may not want to talk about drinking with a friend who's in, you know, um, treatment. You know, you don't know. But I think that would be a really good first step is just say, I really miss you and I'd love to catch up Mm -hmm. or something. And understand that you never know what you're going to get back. And it doesn't mean you won't be friends. It doesn't mean that... um, you're never going to be friends ever again. It just means that for this moment in time right now, she's not getting back to you and you're not the same as you were before. But um, you're right. She's 23. She's out of school. It could be, it could be a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you do have the courage to say my feelings are hurt. I think that you you should try that. I, I mean, I obviously don't want to put words in your mouth, but that's a very strong statement and it's how you're feeling. Um, you know, so if you want to say that, do. I will say again, I don't think that she's doing it to spite you, but mm-hmm. you know, you don't know and we don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 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 I think, um, I think like, so you asked like, how do I accept the reality that we may never be as close as we were? I feel like you're sort of jumping the gun a little bit. Um, because I don't, I just don't think you really have enough information to know that like you're no longer friends. I think that like, I think that there comes a point like in a lot of friendships where you realize that you're just like not really close to someone And you sort of process it over time. And, you know, I think depending on how that came to be, it can be like really tough and really sad. Um, But like you process it and you work through it. But I feel like that's the kind of thing that you you can't really know how to do unless you're in it. 
And it it sucks to lose a friend that you really want to be close with. But I think that like um, if she's going through something and she's not able to like stay in touch because of that, um, that I feel like once she's not going through it anymore or once she's like less busy or whatever it is, whether it's like something as innocuous as like she's just busy or something as like intense as like she has something going on in her life. Mm. Once that situation resolves itself, I'm guessing that you guys will resume being friends. And if it turns out that like she's decided not to be friends with you, she's then that's not cool. And like, you don't want that friend anyway, Mm. kind of, I feel like, which I, I know it's like, I know that that's like easier said than done, but like anyone who would just like, drop you at you know for no reason and no explanation like you don't need to be friends with them and but I don't actually think that's what's happening here though yeah and I might want to re renege on my my feelings are hurt um I mean you can say that but it is making it seem like it is about you and we don't know that and she may not respond well to that I I don't want to tell someone not to say something Mm. but um yeah just think about yeah think about that do send it if you really want to say it, but understand that it might. I don't know. Does that well, make sense? Yeah. I mean, I think that I think I feel like you can ha- like initiate a state of the union conversation without like opening <laughs> without opening it with your feelings being hurt. I think that like, you know, your feelings can be hurt, but you can like suspect or think in the back of your mind, I wonder if this is happening because she's really going through something. If it is, let me not lead with that. Let me actually lead with saying, right. you know, I really want to check in. I want to talk. Like, I really miss you. And I feel like, I think it's like fine to be like, I feel like you haven't re- really been like participating in our friendship. And if you're busy or you're going through something, I totally understand. But do you think that we could at least like, just like check in so I know mm-hmm. what's going on with you? And then I like, I think that like, there's more than one thing going on for you. It's like your feelings are hurt is one thing, but another thing is like, maybe you're wondering like what the hell is going on with her and like if she's okay. And if the drinking, like you said, you don't think the drinking is a problem and like maybe it's not, but like the way that you like presented it, like I felt like I was like, oh, this person is like struggling right now. Like I'm not diagnosing her with like alcoholism, Mm -hmm. but I'm saying like, it sounds like, I mean, she herself was like drunk whoever strikes again and Mm -hmm. it's really bad this time. So I... I feel like I lean towards like she's going through something and I think it's okay to like worry about someone or wonder if they're okay while also at the same time like being angry at them or feeling hurt by them and wanting to like talk about all of it. Yeah. And also you never know if you're going to be as close as you were. Um, You know, it feels like you're not now, but you're you're saying something that you don't know is true. You know, who knows? And Sally's a bazillion percent right in saying that. you know, why would you want to be friends with someone who eventually does not want to you know, converse with you, which is not, you know, again, as you said, easier said than done. But it's true, you know, yeah. but don't I'd say just open the conversation. I agree. Yeah. All right. Thank you for sending the picture of that dog, too. I, yes. I love that dog is me yeah. this week. That dog. It's like an action shot of In a, a dog, rage. like yelling. It's amazing. Like yelling. Like, yelling. I know. Yeah. No, I don't want this. <laughs> I do not want this health care bill to pass. But, um, all right, so we're going to finish this up. Yeah, Sally is a song of the week. We're going to take a week off after this. Yes. Because I am away. So you're away this week. Yes, I'm away this week and then you're away next then week. Then I'm away the next week. Okay. But we are now about to record a bonus episode yeah. uh, for our, our bonus members. So if you can join, great. If not, no worries. But I think we're going to talk about some fun stuff and some 
not so fun stuff. Yeah. Who knows? A, a nice mix of fun and not fun. Yeah. So, hey, listen, you can tweet at us at Struggle Bus Pod, email us to ask a question or to join the Facebook group, Struggle Bus Podcast at gmail.com, Instagram.com slash the Struggle Bus Pod. Use the hashtag Struggle Pod Buds 420 to find a struggle buddy. Tweet at Sally T. Tweet at me at SBK Heller. Um, for your Struggle Buddies Facebook request, just send us the email that you log into Facebook with. And if you don't get in the group immediately, if you get a response saying, we did put you in, but you don't, you didn't get a confirmation email, let us know because sometimes it doesn't work or it goes to the junk mail, I found out. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know Yeah, that. a lot of people didn't realize that. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't um, Yeah, and also go on strugglebuspodcast.com if you do want to become a member for as little as $5 a month mm-hmm. and uh, get our sweet, sweet bonus episode. Sally. Sweet, sweet bonus apps. Song of the week. Song of the week uh, <laughs> uh, came up last week because I started singing it uh, before we started recording. As you know, if you listen to the Easter egg um, last week, it is A Whole New World from Disney's Aladdin from some year. I don't know. 91? Sure. 90? Oh. 89? 90? 94? Let's guess. 93. 93. Okay. You say 93. I'm going to say... I'm going to say 96. What is it? It is 92. Ooh. I don't remember what I said. You said 91. I said 93. And then I switched it. So we were both right. We were both. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Kate. I'm Sally. Bye. Bye. Oh, where to go or say